We're so glad you found us here at the Leadership After Hours podcast. If you're finding value in this content, please hit the subscribe button on whatever platform you're on. This allows us to spread the modern leadership revolution. Plus, you don't want to miss out on a single weekly episode. Now, let's get into it. Welcome to the Leadership After Hours podcast. Real talk with real leaders committed to creating better companies and a better world. Presented by Stronger Leaders, Stronger Profits with your host, Sean Patton. Hello, hello. I am very excited uh, to welcome someone I've known for a, a few years and has all, I've always been impressed by and I love talking to, and that is Raul Hernandez. And he is a growth practitioner, operator, consultant, all things growth inside companies, uh, author, speaker, consultant. I mean, I could just start listing them off, uh, but he is the, the man when it comes to all those things. So I'm really excited to get into it today with Raul. So welcome. Hey, looking forward to this one, man. <laughs> yeah, I know it's been too long. It it has it's been too long since the last time we we chatted. So we uh, we could probably just sit here and just BS the whole time. People are like, "Why are we listening to these two guys BS <laughs> about nonsense?" But um, but I want to get right into it because you know I mentioned this before we started recording that you know a few years ago you put out it was a short you know short book which I love almost workbook style book called Productive Profits that uh, still to this day of all the business books and MBA books and everything else, I think is one of the best books on business operations, you know, I've, I've ever seen. And I, and I refer back to it today. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's great to hear. <laughs> yeah. Su- super effective. And I love the way your mind thinks around operations. So, you know, we, uh, this isn't one of those podcasts where we kind of go a huge background, spend a half hour talking about, you know, your childhood and all your hopes and dreams, <laughs> really just getting down to the nuts and bolts of it when it comes to I leadership and and I think, and I think for you, uh, you know, obviously operations and systems are such a strong point for you, which mm-hmm. we think of as terms of management, right. And really efficiency within this system. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously there's this human component that, you know, you, for me, leadership is about creating new human potential by changing the way people think about themselves, the organization, the yeah. world, that sort of thing. So as you implement these operational systems and you go in and do what you do with companies to look at growth and operations, how do you approach dealing with that human component of that system and the leaders involved? I think that's a great question. And I'll give you real examples. Um, when I'm working within teams or I'm helping them create sort of, let's call it, let's call it the, uh, uh, the linebacker, the structure, being able to create them as a team to actually fulfill like running the right plays. Like if you're running a, a football team, it's simple. There's simple tools. There's simple ways to communicate, specifically remote. I like to use uh, async communications, remote operations, uh, having everything into one centralized location, all the tasks, all the thoughts, like the all, all the master brain of the company in one centralized repository and all the communications in one centralized place so that we can empower our team to do better. That is more, again, that is creating the, the foundation of, in my opinion, the work flow of the team but that's just stage number one that's like okay what do we have to do this it's so boring let's get it done let's set the remote like uh, the remote i call it the remote operating system the asynchronous mm-hmm. updates how we communicate etc cetera, etc cetera. great doing that alone can help teams be more not just productive but more effective have more fun have more bandwidth in their brain to actually like have that creative space to think not just be under the gun under fire 
under like, hey, where's this, where's that? Always asking redundant questions. And the same thing for the owners or the founders or the CEOs who are running the teams. They don't have to ask the same questions over and over again. They don't have to say, hey, where's this? They don't have to ask for updates that they can just find themselves. So doing that alone does create the opportunity. It creates the foundation for us to really focus on what drives true growth. And I love the, your word potential to drive to true potential with teams. Because when you look at the team, almost like anytime you're a leader, if you're a good leader, I mean, I think you're, you're more an expert on this than, than I am from, from my leadership experience. But if you're a good leader, you view the team, you're almost like their coach. You automatically become a coach and someone to help them grow into who they're wanting to grow into and also who the team needs them to be today. And you can tell the types of leaders who are more inward focused and you've, you've worked with them. I've worked with them when they're, you're, the team is just there to serve them versus as a leader, you're there to serve the stakeholders of the company, the mission of what we're trying to achieve. And also let's hit that person, that individual's goal. Where are they heading towards? One of the teams I've had the uh, opportunity to help recently young woman, she just graduated college and she's, you know, beginning her career, literally beginning her career with the team. And I told her, where do you want to go? What are you actually doing? And what is, how does this role, because she was applying for a promotion, how does this role help you achieve where you're going? Is there, is it congruent with what you want? And if there wasn't any congruency that I wouldn't recommend the role, because like you need to do the things that are going to be aligned towards your future goal even though that may not be the 100% best thing for the company. In this case, it, there was alignment. And I also told her, cool, if you, if you take on this role, then we'll have other opportunities for you to learn. I have some education. I have these, these books, these, these insights, these communities that I want you to join. Because if you actually want to do this, you're going to have to put in the work. So building that reciprocity, but also building that expectation that... We're going to work together, but it also requires you to bring the heat. If I'm more excited about your future potential than you are, you're not a fit. So that yeah. I, I'm not sure if that answers your question. It's more organic, but the foundations, the principles of operations of growth ops, basic stuff. you got to include it. You have to do it. A lot of companies right now, I'm pretty sure you know, are struggling just to do the basic blocking and tackling. But once mm -hmm. you do that, you open up the bandwidth to really build relationship and drive the needle in a significant way. No, I think you answered the, the question perfectly because, you know, there's two big things I, I took away from that and, and on that relationship between manage, we kind of call management operations, maybe interchangeably, maybe, um, in the, in this instance versus that human side, that leadership side, because they're both important. I mean, leaders do have to do management and leadership tasks. You know, sometimes when we separate those out, it makes it sound like, uh, you're either one or the other. And that's, that's not the case and not, you know, what we advocate or we see, you know, I see work, right. You've, but great leaders need to be able to do both, uh, types of tasks. And so to your point, when you get the systems down, the operations, the management down, then all that extra time that it frees up by that efficiency can be filled with things like strategic goals and development because you get out from the gun. So I think that that is such a great intersection of those two topics and how mm -hmm. they, how they interplay for companies, because if you're right. I mean, I've seen it, right? Like all the systems are messed up. You spend half the time 
looking for a file or finding the tracker and they got or updated. Sharing but no a Google it or, Doc. Like, hey, can I yeah. request access for that? I'm like, oh, why are we still doing this? It's 2023 or whatever year it is. Like, guys, <laughs> the way it's, we're past this. Yeah. Like, we shouldn't be at requesting a document and then reviewing whatever you sent two days later. Like, those are basic. Mm-hmm. Again, these are like boring things to talk about. But it's like uh, we see this happen in, in, in nature. We see this happen when we work out. We see this with relationships. It's you do the hard work now so that the future, not does not that it becomes easier, but you do the hard work now so then in the future you have more bandwidth and more amplitude and more opportunity to be able to grow and expand. And I think there's, there's, there's a component to that. And sometimes we want to do the easy work now and make it harder for ourselves in the future, which becomes troublesome. Yeah. And one thing, you know, we, we also talk about too, is the, uh, uh, Eisenhower matrix, right. Or the urgent important matrix of Stephen Covey kind of, kind of stole it. Right. Uh, and the seven habits I affect people and you have that tasks that are urgent and important or, you know, there's four different quadrants and just like Stephen Covey points out, you know, you want to spend the majority of your time in quadrant two. And as a company, you want to operate inside quadrant two, right? Which is, mm-hmm. uh, things that are important, but not urgent, right? We want to be working on the big projects. We want to be working on that things that are going to make the biggest difference in the company and also working on things like developing our people and, and grow strategies. But to your point, if we're only allowed to be there because we're not living in quadrant one under mm-hmm. the gun, under the deadlines, that's you know, by design. Doing things last minute. Yeah, exactly. And, and it has to be by design. I think that's the point, right? Like that strategic leadership side of that doesn't just happen. You know, just throw people yeah. in a room and just start doing stuff and that'll happen. Chaos will happen or the that last minute stuff. But if you get the right systems in place, you can live in that quadrant two zone where you're doing meaningful, important work, but you're but because you have time to do it, because you have the systems in place, not because, oh crap, our deadline's tomorrow. So yeah. Man, and even that, so I mean, that's a hard lesson. It's easier to say than to do and, and living in it, it's very difficult, but you can definitely make the change even if you are in that, you know, quadrant one, but that being in quadrant one all the time is frankly by design. And this could be something that I'd love to pick your brain on too. I think like podcasts or like master classes where we get to learn from each other. Uh, that sometimes I see that teams behave as a reflection of the owner as a reflection of the CEO, as a reflection of the leader. And that is a reflection of how they think, a reflection of how they view the world, how they view themselves, how they view others. Um, and, and and sometimes teams either overcome that or they don't. Uh, but I'd love to get your thoughts on that, on that point. Yeah, absolutely. And you'll see that the organization will take on that personality or the culture will start to become that personality of of the leader, um, in almost every case. I mean, that's why leadership is so powerful. And, you know, I always say there's sort of two things you can never delegate as a leader, Hmm. cultural creation and strategic decision-making. Like you can't pass the buck on big strategic decisions. You like, you can get all the input from everybody and be a facilitator at the end of the day, you got to own what you own, right? Whatever that might be for your span of control. And the second thing is culture. You can't, leave culture to chance or leave culture to your team. You have to decide what that is. Um, and, and that will happen. So to your point, yeah, that leader, if, if that leader is, you know, man, I struggle with that because I'm that sort of dreamer visionary. Yeah. Let's do it. Everything sounds great. And all of a sudden my team is like <laughs> hands on the knees, like, Oh my God, what's next? You know? Um, and, and I have to pull back and I think and we think have about to it be because too. I don't want to. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a balance for us entrepreneur. You know? Yeah. To sort of do those two, those two things, you know, as a leader. And when it comes to cultural creation, to bring it back to operations, though, it starts with that because mission 
mission dictates culture, right? Like hmm. if you started uh, a company on a whiteboard as a concept, for me, I would start with mission. Like what problem are you solving? Why do you exist? What, what are you going to do with it? And mm-hmm. then the next thing is, okay, based on that mission and that, that, that goal, there's an ideal task organization and an ideal culture, like those two variables. There's an ideal mm-hmm. version of that. Now you're not going to start off with both those, right? You're not going to start off with, well, we should have 150 people and they have to like, you're yeah, going to grow yeah. into that. But but for every mission set, there's an ideal task organ culture. And hmm. if you identify that first, then you can, as a leader, start working toward that and get your systems in place to be like, well, how many steps are we between whiteboard and those two things? Yeah, and two I think that's where it's, yeah. And I think that's why your, your take on operations and, and creating the systems to do that. So if, if someone is a leader, um, and inside of a, a company, or maybe they have a company that started to scale and all of a sudden they've got, you know, 10, 12 or a hundred people and they are struggling to, to get outside of quadrant one, um, mm-hmm. and to get to quadrant two and to get those systems in place. Like you said, it's 2023. So if you, when you talk to those people, what's step one, like walk me through your process there. I think step one is a paradigm shift that. We internally, you and me, we internally like the idea. We like the the the, the thought, even the language around. Let's scale out of control. But when you think about that, you're like, no, I don't want to scale out of control. What what are things that are good that are out of control? Like your crazy uncle at a party, or like uh, the weeds in my backyard, or after the rain. <laughs> we don't want yeah. things out of control. It sounds great, hockey stick. Oh yeah, let's just repeat what we heard. We actually want to scale in control. So what does that actually mean? It doesn't mean that you micromanage. It doesn't mean that you have to focus on the nitty-gritty granular all the time. It means that you have a set way of doing things that are important. Step one is to identify what are the important things. I call these uh, your operating KPIs. So every, every company has their key performance indicators. They have the key things that they're focusing on that they're measuring. However, frankly, most companies are measuring too many things or too little things from companies either making their first million or trying to hit 100 million, the operating KPIs range from five specific metrics all the way to 15, maybe 18 at max. I don't really think that we should go above 15. And that really sets the tone of like, okay, what are the actual 